Turn with me. Turn with me to Galatians chapter five. Galatians 5, verses 7 through 12, but I will read from uh, verse 2 uh, through verse 12. But our text comes from verses 7 through 12. But this is the word of the Lord. Reverently listen to it. Verse 2, chapter 5 in Galatians. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he's under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will adopt no other view, but the one who is disturbing you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. But I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. Would that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves. I'll stop there. Amen. Amen. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you for um, spiritual food that we are about to partake of. We ask that you would uh, nourish our souls, that you would honor yourself, that you would give me grace as I seek to expound uh, your word, and that you would give your people grace uh, to listen um, and to benefit from this passage. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You all know uh, from, as we've worked our way through Galatians up to this point, what's been going on. I'm going to uh, go ahead and remind you of that. You recall that uh, there are preachers. Uh, by the way, children, um, uh, not all preachers are trustworthy. Okay? Some preachers, uh, actually quite a lot of preachers, you must not uh, follow what they have to say. You must not listen to them because they are preaching false things. Now, I uh, try to preach always the right thing. Um, I make mistakes sometimes, but um, we, we need to be very careful whose preaching we sit under. 
And this is what happened in uh, Galatia, in the, in the place that Paul is writing to here. He was writing to a church who had not been careful about who they were listening to. They were listening to some bad men who posed as Christian preachers, Christian ministers, who said, oh, I believe in Jesus. They were saying things like that. And yet the truth is, they had a false gospel that if people believed it, they were going to die and go to hell if they believed what these evil men were teaching. And so when you grow up, and as you're growing up and are exposed to different ministers, you need to be very careful about who you choose to sit under uh, and what church you choose to belong to because um, it will make a very big difference in your life and that of your children, or your family rather, uh, for their spiritual well-being or for their spiritual harm. As I was saying, the, there were preachers that uh, who claimed to be Christians. They had been making the rounds, if you will. It sounds like perhaps they were itinerant uh, men. But they were making the rounds in the churches in the region of Galatia, which in modern-day uh, Asia Minor, uh, Turkey, modern-day Turkey, rather. And these men, as you recall, were asserting that they possessed a fuller and more accurate understanding of what the original 12 disciples, uh, apostles, rather, believed and taught about the gospel of Christ, that they had a better understanding of that than, uh, than the apostle Paul did. So they were, they were belittling Paul's message and his uh, teaching and his gospel. They were telling the Galatians, these false preachers and teachers, that a man is justified, that is, pardoned of his sin and, and made right before God uh, through faith in Christ. They would say that, would have said that, but they would say, and, and that's the key word, and your good works that your good works help get help convince God to forgive you and make you his child and and uh and uh, uh accept you that's what they were teaching and Paul of course is absolutely appalled by the notion that any sinner could in any way contribute even slightly to his or his or her own justification and reconciliation with God he saw the Judaizers preach the Judaizing preacher's message for what it was that it was spiritual poison that would damn the soul of anybody who believed in it uh, ongoingly. The problem was, of course, that many of the Christians in Galatia uh, not only didn't see things the way Paul saw them, as he's writing this letter at least, uh, perhaps they did after they read his letter or had it read to them, but at least up to this point, as Paul's writing, they didn't see what Paul saw. They didn't see the danger of these men. Uh, they and many of them were apparently on the verge of embracing what the Judaizers said as the true gospel, rather than remembering and adhering to Paul's message that he preached when he was first among them and when they were converted under his preaching. So, in this letter, Paul is doing everything in his power to convince those Galatians who were sympathizing with the Judaizers' message uh, uh, of how dangerous that message was, uh, and he is determined to convince them that they are in grave spiritual danger. He is on the warpath, you might say. And his polemic against the Judaizers' faith plus works message contrib- uh, continues in this passage. He's been, of course, uh, sticking with the same theme throughout the entire book, and it continues here in the passage before us tonight, verses 7 through 12. Three uh, points, uh, relatively brief. Uh, 
First, we're going to look at the danger of the salvation by faith plus works message. That that danger is evident, first of all, from the effect it was having in Galatia. Secondly, the danger, uh, we're going to look at the danger that, uh, that is evident from where it originated. And finally, the danger of the salvation by faith plus works message is evident from Paul's response to its purveyors. That is, the purveyors of this spiritual poison that they called uh, a better version of the gospel than Paul had. So, first of all, the danger of the Judaizers' message uh, is evident from the way, uh, the effect that it was already having uh, in Galatia. It was having, no, uh, shouldn't be any uh, surprise to any of you, a detrimental effect on the people individually and collectively there in the churches. First, it was having a detrimental effect on individuals. He alludes to this in verse uh, 7 when he says, You were running well. Who hindered you? From obeying the truth, he reminds he was reminds them you were doing so well last time I knew before I heard about the troubles that are afflicting you. Now you were doing so well spiritually. All of you believers there, all of you that profess to embrace the Christ that I presented to you, you were doing so well. But at some point after his departure, we don't know how long it was. Something went terribly wrong. What went wrong was somebody began. Paul's words, hindering them from obeying the truth, which is to say, believing the truth. To believe is obedient. And that's what he's referring to when he says obeying the truth. The truth, by the way, of course, that Paul is talking about is the truth of the gospel. The gospel of reconciliation with God that Paul knew and preached and cherished so dearly. Specifically, the truth that John 3.16 uh, articulates, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That uh, summary of the gospel, that's the gospel. That was Paul's message. And that one needs to believe, trust in Christ alone, that he might not go to hell, but rather receive ever, uh, eternal life and go to heaven. By obeying the truth, as I said already, Paul means trusting. And he means trusting solely. Not just trusting in part, but trusting solely in Christ uh, and, and, the, and the gospel that centers around Jesus as the only hope of sinners. And the Judaizing teachers, by their zealous preaching of their salvation by faithless works, hyphen, 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 message, they were causing many of these professing Christians in Galatia to begin to call into question the truthfulness of the gospel of God's free grace in Christ that Paul had proclaimed. And this was having detrimental effects on these people. Undoubtedly. So it was undoubtedly, because this is what happens when uh, when one is when one begins to uh, be entertain the idea and even be convinced of the idea that uh, salvation is in part dependent upon what I do, that, that um, works religion, if you will, or works gospel, which is no gospel at all, always has the effect of doing a couple things, of damaging people spiritually 
and specifically damaging or destroying their assurance, uh, their long-term sense of well-being, of rightness with God, and being assured of God's forgiveness and approbation. And they are that is damaged because the assurance that one can have as a Christian and uh, should desire and uh, often can have as a believer and a true believer that rests that assurance is based on the fact that they are resting not in themselves but resting in another, namely the Savior Jesus Christ and what He did and that alone for His or her forgiveness and reconciliation with God. But what happened in Galatia was after listening to the Judaizers, these folks were no longer certain that their faith alone in Christ alone was enough. They were wondering if maybe they needed to be circumcised. Maybe they needed to revert to the sacrificial, uh, the, the, uh, the uh, dietary laws. They needed to do different things. The, these, uh, these false teachers were undoubtedly eloquent. And we're undoubtedly um, very persuasive, as is evident by this, this very existence of this very letter. And so these people, which is what always happens, um, our, our assurance is shaken when you start having to look within for your sense of well-being with God. It's something that you have done. This is uh, one of the inevitable consequences of not knowing for sure uh, the truth and believing the truth. That salvation is obtained by looking to another and looking away from self entirely. If any of you have at times fallen into inadvertently uh, a kind of works-based mindset uh, in your Christian life, we can do that as Christians. Uh, get on a performance treadmill with our relationship with God and and begin to, if not believe, at least act as if our right standing with God and our forgiveness from God is based on our behavior. That, uh, that, 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 that is what helps make us justified, make us reconciled. And it's poison to the soul. It, it shakes our assurance. And of course, that um, has is what sends people oftentimes, Christians oftentimes, into a, 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 a further spiritual tailspin, an emotional tailspin. It's depressing to trust in yourself, to somehow impress God. It's depressing, and it depresses people. And when we are spiritually, when we are spiritually down and weighed down by our own imperfection that makes us question whether or not God has forgiven us or loves us or has accepted us, then we are uh, more, our spiritual defenses are weakened as we are weakened spiritually and we become more susceptible to temptation, further temptation, I should say. And undoubtedly, these believers uh, were, they were not running well now, you see. Things, bad things were happening. And I'm, I'm reading between the lines here, but, but this is undoubtedly what some, if not most of the people that were buying into or beginning to consider the Judaizers' message, uh, were wrestling with a lack of assurance. Because they were having to look at themselves. It was not only having, 
an adverse effect on individuals in the congregations, but it was having a detrimental effect on the Christian community there in Galatia as a whole. Verse 9 makes this point. When Paul said, a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. That, of course, is a metaphor. Everybody knows that. But he is the leaven that he's talking about is the Judaizers' doctrine, which was in being insidiously peddled by a few main characters. Um, he mentions, uh, he uses a singular, actually, um, in uh, the one in verse 10, uh, who is disturbing you, uh, shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. I think there were probably more than one there, but he's saying that those individual, speaking of his individuals, for a rhetorical um, and polemic effect. But at any rate, the point is, uh, a few people were peddling this doctrine, and it was in the process of, or would if it hadn't already, permeating and perverting the whole religious life of the Christian community there in Galatia. And of course, heresy, if left unchecked, does the same thing today in churches. Side B Christianity is heresy. The old northern church embraced uh, liberalism in the 1920s, poisoned a few men, Harry Fosdick, some others, poisoned the northern church and eventually caused the whole thing to collapse spiritually. Which, praise the Lord, the the OPC came out of that mess. Um, Same thing, of course, happened to the southern church in the 1950s and 60s which produced the PCA. But we ourselves are in danger. Our denomination is in danger of of being poisoned by this progressive uh, side B Christianity uh, and uh, critical race theory woke stuff. You know, and we've, sadly, we have been making decisions for the last... 25 years that have been making that easier and easier to get into our, into our midst. Heresy destroys churches because it's like a cancer or like leaven. Cancer, I think, is a, a, a more modern and uh, uh, points to the pernicious nature of it a little bit more easy for uh, modern ears. So, The danger of this salvation by works message was evident from the effect it was having on individuals in Galatia and on the corporate body uh, of the collective numbers of churches there as a whole. Secondly, the danger of this salvation by faith plus works message uh, is evident from where it originated. Now, in order to understand where the message, this uh, false gospel came from, we need to understand where it did not come from. Because uh, it points out where it did come from. Verse 8 makes the point. This persuasion, meaning uh, the thing that persuaded uh, quite a number of these people from obeying the truth, this persuasion, Paul says, did not come from him who calls you. Obvious reference to God himself. It didn't come from God, this thing you're believing. And by deduction... If a spiritual message about how men can be reconciled to God does not originate with God, 
There's no other place from which it can originate other than from his arch nemesis, Satan, who, of course, is the father of lies. And that is undoubtedly the one who uh, was uh, um, the power behind or the influence behind these evil men who were posing as good uh, ministers of the gospel. And the fact, by the way, that um, Satan was behind what was going on, uh, just evidence here in this text, in verse 11, um, he says, But I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision... Why am I still persecuted? So, Paul was being accused by the Judaizers of preaching circumcision. But see, what was going on was, Paul. they said, what they were saying, they were lying about Paul's message. They were, they were, they were twisting it. And what they were saying, apparently, was, Paul. Uh, they said that Paul uh, preached that uh, Jews needed to be circumcised. So, to Jews, he was saying, you need to be circumcised to be saved. But to Gentiles, he was saying, no, 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 you don't need to be circumcised. That he had two different messages in effect. One for the Jews, apparently, and one for the Gentiles. That's, uh, they were saying, characterizing Paul's message, or his preaching, this way. That Paul is inconsistent, and he's just kind of uh, preaching uh, based on who his audience is. To please tickle ears, or what have you. Something to that effect, anyway. They were lying about his, what he was preaching, is my point. And of course... Where does that come from but their father? We mustn't forget that Satan is behind, ultimately behind, every admixture of faith plus works teaching. No matter how well packaged the message, no matter how attractive the messenger. Thirdly, and finally, the danger of the salvation by faith plus works message was not only evident from uh, where it originated and the effect it was having on the churches and individual uh, Christians in Galatia, but it was also evident from Paul's response to the purveyors of this poison. Paul wished these fans of circumcision and all that it represented would experience, shall we say, an accidental slip of the knife, metaphorically. Would that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves. Now this is harsh words, uh, difficult sometimes for some to read, and many good people have read this verse, and they actually understand what Paul is saying, and they think that Paul is being unnecessarily vulgar and crude here. Because... What Paul actually is saying is something to this effect. Look, if these Judaizers think it's necessary for themselves and others to be circumcised, to be accepted by God, they shouldn't stop with the removal of their foreskins. They might as well castrate themselves as well. That's what he's saying there in verse 12. Now, is he talking about actual castration? No, probably not. But it's a pretty, and I'll get to that in a moment, what he is talking about, but it's, it's a pretty shocking way uh, for one of Christ's apostles to talk. To use this kind of uh, language. But, you see, Paul was speaking in this way for an extremely important and good reason. And that was, he was trying to impress upon his readers, through his language, how distraught and angry 
he was, as their spiritual father in the faith, uh, about what these Judaizers were teaching them, uh, and the pseudo-gospel that they were being taught, and the fact that they were tempted to believe that gospel. Or that message, not a gospel, but that message. And he is angry, and he is upset, and he is using this kind of language to make the point. He's probably, by the way, has Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 1 in mind, where in that verse, and I'll read it here in just a second, you can turn there if you want, but in that verse, the same Greek word is used in the Septuagint, which many of you, most of you probably know, is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, of the, of the Hebrew Old Testament, it was written about 200 years BC before Christ. And in the, in the, and that was the, uh, the, uh, that was the Old Testament that probably most Jews in the ancient world at G- in Jesus' day and Paul's day were using and were relying upon. Uh, they were relying upon a Greek, uh, translation, uh, of the original Hebrew. So, in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 1, we read this. No one who is emasculated or has his male organ cut off shall enter the assembly of the Lord. That latter phrase is the exact same word that Paul uses here. Exact same word. Probably he has that in mind. And by the way, notice, also if you notice, those who have this uh, this condition shall not enter the assembly of the Lord, which is to say they're put out of the assembly, out of the community, at least implied by that. The covenant community. So, by wishing to see the Judaizers castrate themselves, at least metaphorically speaking, Paul was in effect expressing his desire that they cut themselves off from the company of God's people since as purveyors of and believers in a false gospel, they didn't belong in the visible church anyway. So may they put themselves out, is what Paul is saying, I believe, by the, uh, although again, it's, it's rather graphic, uh, but, but he's pointing to their, their, that they would excommunicate themselves. And using that visual, um, uh, that, that mental image to, uh, to make that point in a jarring way. And, so the point, just one application, is jarring language is sometimes acceptable and even necessary. Not always, <laughs> but sometimes it is necessary to make a point for the well-being of men's souls uh, if, if one's soul is at, at stake. We can use, because the scriptures do use, and I've read two texts already that do so, jarring language. But it's very intentional, and it's very at a very critical point, uh, to make a very critical point. And that's not to say that that should be done gratuitously. It should never be done gratuitously. But there is a place for it. So, Paul indicates in verse 10 that these purveyors of spiritual poison were going to have to answer to God for their deceptive and diabolic practices. He says there in verse 10, I read it already, but I'll read it again, I have confidence in you, collectively, in the Lord, that you will adopt no other view, meaning then my view, Paul's view, uh, when all is said and done, but the one who is disturbing you shall bear his 
judgment, whoever he is. He's referring, of course, to the judgment of God, the judicial wrath that God would sentence uh, such, a, such a one to on the final day, his infinite uh, judicial wrath. Now, clearly, Paul uh, wasn't the only one who objected to what these preachers were saying and doing and was angry. He's the mouthpiece of Christ. The, uh, the potentate and judge of the universe was angry at these wicked men. And by their embracing and teaching these evil things, they were making the living God, the consuming fire of heaven, their arch enemy. Because they contaminated and despoiled the beautiful gospel of God's free grace with Satan's lie of salvation by law-keeping. Spiritual counterparts of these men do the same thing today throughout Christendom. Um, And when they uh, peddle on biblical messages, especially that uh, strike at the core of the Christian gospel, they make God their enemy and themselves liable to eternal damnation. And of course, religious men who embrace false gospels are more uh, experience a greater condemnation, we are told. Um, the likes of Benny Hinn um, and others. I won't name too many names for fear of... Uh, but uh, I think all these men are in grave, grave, grave danger. And women, too, who pose as preach preachers uh, and peddle uh, um, word of faith, uh, health, wealth, prosperity, and different messages like that. So what are some of the modern counterparts? I've mentioned a couple. Uh, but uh, modern counterparts of the uh, spiritual counterparts of the Ju- Judaizers would include all those of reg- whatever stripe they might be who claim that baptism, or the Lord's Supper for that matter, uh, is necessary for salvation uh, as, a, as a means of making one right with God. The churches of Christ fit into the category, this category. The Roman church fits into that category. The UPC fits into that category. And there may be others as well. False gospels, those who preach them, are enemies of God. As much as the local drug dealer is. Perhaps worse. Hardcore, and I, 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 spec- I, I want to underline that, hardcore Arminians who believe that they and uh, that someone is saved by, or that, who believe that they are saved by their decision to uh, recognize Jesus, for lack of a better term, uh, rather than trusting in Christ alone, uh, they are amongst those that uh, would fit into this category. We uh, drove by, um, where was it? Uh, when we were, uh, uh, recently I drove by a, a church, and I think the girls were with me uh, when we went on our trip, and it said, Free Will Baptist Church. Those folks are in grave danger. Now, maybe they are trusting in Jesus and they just want to, and they just uh, use that uh, Arminian uh, approach, but get ultimately to Jesus. But I'm suspicious that many of them don't. 
I don't, I'm not their judge, of course. But uh, that kind of teaching is extremely dangerous. To say, you decide, and your decision is what makes you right with God. The fact that you chose him. Preaching like that. Uh, that is a damnable doctrine if believed. If you're trusting in your choice rather than uh, looking to Christ alone to save you. Perhaps... I doubt it. But perhaps you yourself are trusting in something other than Jesus alone, the Jesus of the Bible alone, to reconcile you to God and make you acceptable in his sight and, and get your sins forgiven. If you are here, and that is the case, you yourself are an enemy of God. You are not reconciled to him. You are not a Christian if you fit into that category. I doubt that's the case. But if it were, you too need to hear this and repent of any dependence upon yourself for your right standing with God. The gospel must be fought for. We must, in our individual conversations we have with other professing Christians, in our conversations with one another, we have to cling tenaciously to this message that one must only find, can only find forgiveness with God and reconciliation with God and right standing before God by looking to Christ, Jesus Christ, the, the, pro, the true Jesus of the Bible and not some other Jesus. And we all, it's not just up to those of us who are elders, but all of us need to be zealous for that and need to fight for that when the opportunity to fight for that comes. And it will come. It will come. We need to be gracious, but we need to be firm. We need to be courageous. We need to stand up for what is right so that what, was, what the Galatian Christians were in danger of uh, hap- happening to them doesn't happen in our households or in this communion called Covenant Presbyterian. May God give us the grace to stand up and fight for the truth the way Paul did. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that by your grace we know the truth, that uh, because of what Paul, you had Paul and other uh, other apostles and uh, prophets write, that we know uh, the truth and that you have uh, preserved it for us and caused us to understand it and believe it. We pray, Lord, that you would make us courageous defenders of the truth, each one, even the little children here. That we would do that, Lord, in a way that is not self-righteous, is not, um, uh, is not off-putting, uh, but is, but is uh, zealous, the way Paul was zealous for maintaining and preserving and defending the truth. Help us to be defenders of what is right, of our Savior, and of his atoning work and what uh, it can and does accomplish to those who look to him alone in faith. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Let's close. Receive now God's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, both now and forevermore. Amen.